God is on the move. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're a bringer. You're a bringer. That means from now on, you're going to bring somebody to church with you. Amen. We're all bringers in the house. Can somebody say hallelujah to that? Amen. We all should be bringing somebody to the church and, and doing our best to love on people and help people. Amen. So I'm excited to be here. I really am. And I think God's going to do some great things in our lives. It's good to see your smiling faces. Thank you, musicians. They did a good job today. Hallelujah. Did you know you're an overcomer? Did you know that God loves you greatly? Hallelujah. Always remember that. You're part of God's kingdom. Now, I want to talk to you today a little bit about something a little different. It's just called uh, I Am the Answer, and we're going to talk about it just for a few moments, and I think that God's going to help us. There was a woman that did not like her future daughter-in-law. The daughter-in-law, her son was engaged to a woman, and the woman he's engaged to and the mother of the man's mother, they were fighting. And in the middle was the poor guy. The guy was in the middle of this fight. You know, he had to battle with it all the time. And so they're about to pull this man apart. They're, they're about to tear him up. And so finally the man complains to the pastor and says to the pastor, please, you've got to help me out here. Talk to my fiance. So the fiance goes into the pastor's office and is talking to the pastor. And the pastor says to her, I want you to change your role. I want you to change things. If your soon-to-be mother-in-law wants a ride anywhere in town, you take her. No complaining. Smile on your face. You take her every day of the week. Okay, you take her. If your husband or husband-to-be goes to visit your mother-in-law, I want you to be sure that you send a meal along with him uh, to your your future mother-in-law. And so she finally blows up because he keeps on going on. And she finally says, why does it always have to be me that makes all the changes? And here's what the pastor said, and I want you to hear this very closely, because I want you to be the answer. I want you to be the answer. Nobody runs away from an answer. I don't want you to be the problem anymore. I want you to think about it just for a moment. People only reject you when they see you as a problem. People never reject you when they see you as an answer. When you're an answer, you're always welcome at the table. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Lord, make me an answer. Lord, make me an answer. Give me a little bit more light if you can. I don't know how it looks out there, but it seems dark in the house to me. We want to brighten her up. We're going to let, let the devil know we're here. Everybody in this room, I've been looking at you. I watched you coming in. Everybody in this room is a little bit weird. You're a little little bit strange. You're a little bit unique in some way or another. Everybody in this room has a little bit of a something to you. Now, I want you to take for a moment and just look at this. I don't know if I can show it or not, but everybody's seen one before. This is a key. See that key? Can you guys kind of see that key in the light? If it's not very pretty. It's not a very pretty key, although that one's shiny a little bit. But it has ups and downs all the way through it. See the ups and the downs? Okay, it has cuts on the sides. It's cut. It's got deep cuts. It's broken in all the right places. Okay, you will never appreciate the beauty of that key. You don't go around going, look how beautiful my key is, until you need to get through that door and that key works. Amen. Once you find the door that you need to get through, you'll understand why the key is the way it is. 
Okay? You, you will find why it's, God made it that way. It's got, it's got all these cuts, these grooves, these nicks, these perfect little things. And, and, and I want to say to you that God wants you to help find how you fit in your life. God wants to help you so that when you step into something, you'll feel the click. You'll know that you've come to the right door. The right, you'll, you'll, you've come to the right job. Click. You've come to the right person. Click. You've come into the right ministry, click. You've come into the right skill sets, click. God wants you to know how to discover why you're so weird. Amen. Amen. Why you have the personality you have, because God is making you an answer to a door. God is making you an answer to some problem that somebody has. You're going to be the key that opens the door. Amen. Perhaps for your family, for this church, for the city, for your life, for your home, God is making you a key to open the door. Amen. Now listen to my text today, Genesis 39, verse 1. I think most of you here know the story. How many of you, does everybody know the story of Joseph? Let me just find out. Everybody knows the story of Joseph? Okay, let's read a little bit so I can you can follow me through this. Now, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Joseph's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. Let's stop for a minute. You remember Joseph's brothers put him in the, in the pit, and the Ishmaelites came by and bought him. The Ishmaelites were Joseph's cousins, if you didn't know that. That's a dysfunctional family. When your cousins sell you off, that's a dysfunctional family. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian, his master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor, and he became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. From that time, he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned. The Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with, with Joseph in charge, and he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. This brother here was well taken care of. Amen? So let's go back in the story. Joseph's brothers saw Joseph as a problem. When you are seen as a problem, you always go down. You always go down. He went down into the pit. The reason he went into the pit is because he was seen as a problem. The reason people reject you or resist you or don't want to listen to you or won't give you the time of day is because somehow you are seen as a problem. Maybe they don't like your fancy coat. Maybe they don't like that your father loves you so much. Maybe they don't like that you're having dreams and they're not having any. Maybe they don't like the fact that you know God and they don't. Maybe they don't like the fact that you're favored and they're not. Whatever it is, they're looking at you and they're seeing a problem. I want to say to you today, I have never had a hater doing better than me. Right? People doing better than me seldom throw rocks at me. Seldom throw. It's always those below me that see my blessing as their problem. 
It's always those that are trying to get to where I'm at that see my blessing as their problem. It's always the haters in life that will try to knock you out of your position because they have a problem with your anointing or your gift or your talent or your blessing. Can I hear an amen today? Okay, so your, your, your problems many times are simply that you're blessed, and they see that as a real challenge to their life. So the Ishmaelites come along, the cousins come along, and they look down into the pit because the brothers are going to sell him off, and they look at him, and they see him now as an answer because they realize we can take him and sell him and make money. So suddenly he's an answer. When you are the answer, you get lifted up. You come up. Every time you're an answer, you go up. They said, we're going to make money off of him, so they lifted him up. And they sold him to Potiphar as an answer, as an answer. Potiphar gave money for him because he saw him as an answer. Now, a lot of you in here have been praying that God would give you more money. You really don't need to pray for money anymore. You need to pray, Lord, make me an answer. Lord, make me an answer, okay? For this to work, what I'm talking about today, you're going to have to be serious about it. Would you rather pray for money, or would you rather become an answer and have people throw money at you? Yeah. The reason you get the interview with the boss is to let the boss know you're the answer to his problems. That's what an interview is all about, that you can answer the problem that they have at that place of employment, and he will pay you to become his answer. All right? Are you with me so far? So Potiphar sees Joseph as an answer. Now Joseph is living in the house with Potiphar and all that he has, and he's now, listen to me, he's living in a building that he did not build. He's experiencing the blessings that he did not work for. He is experiencing all this stuff. He's living in a, a place of great favor, of great uh, influence, of great power, of everything you could imagine that he could ever need. He has it all now, and it, this, this is called favor. This is called favor. God will give you houses you did not build. Well, it got quiet right there. Because you really don't believe that. You, you don't believe it. I'm going to tell you, God can give us church property. God can give us a building. God can move on somebody's heart to give us 10 acres of prime property anytime God wants to. You might say Flagstaff is impossible. Flagstaff's not impossible for God. God has a way of wringing it out. Amen. God will give you vineyards you did not grow, opportunities that do not match your background, your education, or your resume. God will give you a door in front of you. God will have a door that on the other side of that door is everything you could imagine that you could ever need or want. He'll let you enter into a large place. God always brings you to large places, amen, and he'll bless your life. So stop looking for blessings. Listen to me carefully. It's a little bit of a twist here. And find the problem. Find the problem. Look for a problem. Insert yourself, your gift, your anointing into it, and listen for the click. Oh, you're not listening yet. Once you feel the click, once you step into, let, let's use a preacher. I, I, I'm, I'm planting some churches. Even today we got a young man uh, starting a new church in, in, in Virginia. And so he's stepping into a church, and he's trying to see if he can feel the click. 
if he feels the click when he steps in, God's going to favor him. Amen. There's a whole door that's going to open up for him. And so at that point, all of the ups and downs of his life will begin to make sense. At that point, all the cuts and the bruises and the indents and the afflictions, that key at one day was a straight little piece of metal. Then they took it to a little thing and they grinded it. That's what they did to that key. And then they took it and they put it on a little wire wheel and they sparked it. Sparks were flying off and chips were flying off. And all of those afflictions made that key perfect for some door. Amen? Your problem is going to open up something very good for you. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, you're about to open up something big. <laughs> as long as Potiphar saw Joseph as the answer, he got to stay in the house, he got to operate in the favor, and all things were great. He had no worries. The, the Potiphar had no worries. But then a little situation. The devil tried to sneak in on the game. And the devil caused Potiphar's wife to have the hots. She's actually, her name is Hotifer. <laughs> Hotifer <laughs> had the hots for old Joseph. Amen. And she starts trying to put the moves on Joseph. And when she does that, what happens to Joseph? He now becomes a problem. He now becomes a problem. He's no longer seen as an answer. And so what happens to him? Back down again, down into a prison this time. He goes down. Every time you're seen as a problem, you go down. But I want to warn you, and I'll let you know, not warn you, hear, let you hear, sometimes your problem is somebody else's answer. If he had not gone into that prison, he would have never been the answer for the baker and the, and the, and the cupbearer. Okay, he would have never been the answer in that setting. So you can't let how somebody sees you determine your value. Amen? Just because they see you as a problem does not mean that you cannot be an answer for somebody else. You might be a problem in one place and an answer in another. Are you guys listening? Okay, as long as you're listening. We was trying to take a picture one time. And we had all the team up, you know, and we were standing on the stage, and, and they, was try, the, they were trying to take a picture. The guy was trying to take a picture, and the, it was just too dark. We kept turning the lights up, kept turning the lights up, but it was so dark, you, the picture just wasn't quality. So finally, finally, I stepped off the stage, went around to the front side, got my little camera out, put it up there with a light. And when I got the light on the people's faces, suddenly they could see the picture, and the picture turned out very, very nice, okay? So here's what I'm trying to say to you. You've been trying to be in the picture too long. Maybe God's called you to hold the light. <laughs> oh, I'm having fun. You guys are here. <laughs> sometimes, man, sometimes you're called to hold the light. So Pharaoh had never met Joseph, never met him. He didn't know anything about Joseph. He didn't know anything about Joseph's brothers. He didn't know anything about the Ishmaelites. He didn't care about any of that. He, didn't, he knew Potiphar a little bit, but he, he didn't know what Potiphar's wife had said. He didn't understand any of that thing, okay? But when, Joseph heard, or when Pharaoh heard of Joseph, he heard of him as an answer. So what happened is he starts having dreams. You guys know the story. And he can't figure out his dreams. And so his cupbearer says to him, hey, listen, Pharaoh, 
When I was down in prison down there, there was this fellow down there that whatever problem we had with a dream, he could answer. There was never a dream that this guy couldn't answer. Whatever he said is what it was. It was always accurate. It was always correct. And so this guy is an answer to dreams. And so suddenly Pharaoh says, go get Joseph. I need somebody to go get Joseph. So now Joseph is going to become an answer to Pharaoh. And guess which way he's going to go now this time? Back up. See, we're making a key down and up, down and up. It's the making of you becoming a key to somebody's world. Your life is going up and down, and God's making you a key. He's making you an answer. Are you listening to me? This is what's happening. And so he sends for him and, and says, go snatch him out. I'm here to tell you today that God's about ready to snatch some of you out. He's about ready to pull you out of some things you've been in. You've been going through some grinding, some, some buzzing, some aches and pains, but God's about ready to snatch you out to open a big door. No, no, you don't understand. God's about to snatch you out to open up Arizona to start with. Amen. God's getting ready to do something. So the famine now is a blessing because without the famine, Joseph would have died in prison. Joseph is the bearer of all of Israel. Israel would have died. There would have been no Israel, okay? So that famine created a need for the Pharaoh to have a dream that could not be answered that created a, a need for an answer. And this is where Joseph comes along. Joseph has now an opportunity for his key to click. He's going to insert himself into somebody's problem. His gift is going to go into a problem. He's going to turn it to see if it clicks. The Bible says in Proverbs 18, 16, a man's gift will make room for him. Amen? And so listen carefully. I want you to hear me now. Do you believe that God's getting ready to do something for you, all of you? Do you believe that? Do you believe it? Okay, listen to me carefully. God is going to put you in a situation where they see you as the answer. Don't talk them out of it. Don't talk them out of it. Don't say, well, what if I can't interpret the dream? Well, what if I don't know the answer? Well, what if I, what if I, what? Don't start trying to talk them out of it. God puts you in front of that person, in front of that situation, by sovereign power. Amen. God brought those people into your world, and they ask you a question about a problem by sovereign power. And amen. And if you will insert your gift into that, God will cause your gift to unlock an answer in their world. When Joseph heard that Pharaoh wanted him, listen to me, Joseph had never been in a palace. Joseph had never had any training for anything like this. Joseph had no protocol training, no understanding of what was going on. He had no, nothing, nothing in his world that would help him in this setting. He had never met a Pharaoh. He had never met a, uh, anything like this. But listen, he was not intimidated. He was not intimidated. Amen. He was very careful. And the fact is that, listen, because he had been cut in all the right places. He had been made in all the right places. God had formed him into a key. The coat of many colors that his father had get him, given him were training of how to wear a palace robe when other people were watching you. The, the, the training he had received at Potiphar's house was to train him how to run a nation. 
He had been cut and developed and placed in all the places God needed him to be. And I'm telling you that God is putting you into some things and you're being cut. You may say, well, that was an ugly time of my life. I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic. Well, prison's not a fun place to be. But in prison, you can become an answer for somebody else's world. Because later, you can talk to those same people and they know that you understand where they've coming from. So suddenly, you can become a key to a whole element of people that nobody else can talk to. Amen. So, so Joseph now understands that everything that's gone on in his life was all part of the preparation of God in his world. And he, he, if he had stayed in Potiphar's house, if he had stayed as, as blessed as he was there, he would have settled for something less than what God had for his life. His life was, deter- was set aside to reach a nation, not a house. He could have reached the house his whole life and died blessed, but the nation would have died without him. So God was doing something bigger than the house. God was preparing him for a nation. And God's doing something bigger than this church. You got to get it in your head. This is way bigger than this church. Stop crying over what you've lost. Amen. Because it's less than what God wants you to enter into. Well, I'm going to have to take a drink right there. Amen. I usually don't ask over, over the air, but can you give me a little bit of monitor, please? That's why I'm yelling, because I can't hear myself. Amen. On a stage, it's like the sound just goes away. I don't understand it. In elementary school, we teach children how to add. Two plus two equals four. That, that's called addition. That's what we teach them. When you get a little older and you get into high school or somewhere, I'm not sure where they do that, but they start to teach you a thing called algebra. Now, addition is about finding the problem. It's a problem looking for an answer. Two plus two equals this. But algebra is an answer looking for a problem. When you grow up in life, you quit looking for answers and you start looking for problems. Oh, listen to me, religious folks. Listen to me, religious people. We're all about the answers, and God's all about the problems because he's sending you to problems, not to answers. Amen. And so as, as long as you think that finding the answer is what will make you successful, I'm here to tell you that you're going to get limited in less than what God has for you. What you're supposed to be looking for is a problem that you might find a click that when you come in and search yourself into it, it clicks. Amen. This is what you're looking for. Somebody shout this with me. I want you to shout it. Don't do it quiet. I want you to blow the hair off the guy's head in front of you. I want you to shout, I am the answer. I am the answer. Okay, you're the answer. Everything God has used to practice on you is beneath you. Everything you've done so far is beneath you. It was preparation for God to release something greater in your life. All of it, okay? Genesis 41, 14. So Joseph sent, or so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. So here's what's going to happen. 
You're going to get called upon. You're going to get summoned somehow. I don't know how, but you're going to get summoned. And you have to quickly respond to it. You don't have time to Google it. You don't have time to figure it out. You don't have time to run to somebody to get all the answers. You are the answer. You just yelled it. You're the answer. You are the answer. So now what you have to do here, I'm trying to help you. When you get summoned, you have to cut off everything that looks like where you came from. Mm Mm-hmm. He had to shave that beard while he was running to the Pharaoh. He's running to Pharaoh, and they didn't have five, five blade Gillettes back in those days. They had like sharp rocks. <laughs> I don't know what they had, but it wasn't a fun gig, man. Can you imagine that, Dan? Your little goatee, ah, trying to tear it off. Amen. Because you can't reach your destiny looking like your past. You, 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 you can't access your death. You can't access your destiny until you're willing to overcome your history. Oh, amen. You have to shave off everything that's grown on you in the past season. Everything that you've learned that you've been worrying about all this time, you're going to have to shave that off. You're going to have to strip yourself of your prison garments because you can't wear prison garments in front of Pharaoh. You can't wear the king's robes and the prison's robes at the same time. Some, amen. Somewhere you got to quit being orphans and become sons. Somewhere you have to take off what has been incorrectly defining you and put on what God has for your life. You got to take them off. Now, listen to me carefully. I can't take off your clothes for you. I'm talking spiritually here. Yeah. We're going to have to have a ser- another sermon, I can see. <laughs> you have to do it. You have to take off what's incorrectly defining your identity. You have to take off what's co- stopping you from entering your destiny. Some of you are not entering your destiny because you're a woman, and women don't do that. I'll talk to the women later. I'll help you, girls. I'll help you. I'll pick you up. Amen. Some of you aren't doing it because you're not smart enough. You haven't read your Bible enough. You don't know enough. So that's defining your identity. You think that, listen to me, Joseph knew nothing about palaces. He knew nothing about how to operate there. Nothing whatsoever. So what God is calling you to, you're going to have to shift. When the call comes, you've got to shift your identity as you run towards your destiny. You can't sit around in self-pity. You can't sit around in victimization. You can't sit around saying, I'm not ready, I don't know what to do, I'm not good enough, what happens if I mess up? You can't sit around in all that garbage. That's prison garments. That's the way prisoners think. That's the way slaves think. That's not the way leaders think. Amen. And God's calling you to leadership. So here's a few pointers. While you're in prison, exercise. Don't become rigor mortis while you're down there. Don't lose your strength. How do you exercise? Holy Ghost prayer. Every day you pray, you pray, you pray. You learn how to talk to God. You learn how to listen to God. Most religious people do not know when God speaks to them. They don't know how to hear the voice of God. They've been so crippled by preachers telling them everything God's saying, they don't know how to hear God for themselves. 
So you, while you're in prison, there ain't no preachers down there. Amen, sometimes. And so you have to exercise your prayer. You have to exercise your lifestyle. You have to exercise your study of the word. When you don't understand something, you dig in and find the answer. Once you find the answer, because you found a problem. When you find a problem in the Bible, it doesn't make sense to you. Dig into it to find an answer. If you're not sure of your answer, see if it clicks. If you're not sure if it's clicking, come talk to the preacher at that point. And I'll help you know if you got the right answer. Or if you're at the wrong door. Amen. Amen. So this is how you exercise. Now listen to me. Satan is an accuser. He brings false accusation. He wants you to abort your heavenly calling. He wants you to abort your royal destiny. So what he's trying to do is get you to continue to wear your prison garments all over town. He wants you to walk around as this, this, this little beat-up little person all the time. Listen, you've got to change your self-imagery. Somewhere, you've got to quit being a sinner. No, no, somewhere you've got to quit being a sinner. The church has been repenting and repenting. When have we repented? When are we done repenting? How, how many times do you have to repent for the same sin? I'm asking a question. Right now, the whole religious world is teaching us, repent, repent, repent for racism. I've repented for racism. How many times do I have to do it? How? Amen. So as long as I keep wearing my past sins, as long as I keep wearing my past mistakes, as long as I'm still an alcoholic, once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, as long as I wear that, I can never enter into my destiny. As long as I wear my drug addiction, as long as I wear my perversions of whatever they might be, what, as long as you wear whatever your past sins were, your past problems were, your past struggles were, you cannot come into your destiny wearing that stuff. Repent and get over it. Repent, let Jesus forgive you. It's not about what you did anyway, it's about what he did. Repent and get over it. There are too many royal destinies in this church and around this town, walking around town, living in prison garments. The Hebrews died in the wilderness as slaves because they refused to take off the robe of slavery. They refused to change their identity and realize they were the children of the promise. And they continued to want to live and eat of the table of, of the Egyptians. So now, the moment is where Joseph has come up. I don't know if he's got a few nicks from that shaving while he's running or not. I don't know how, what he's done. But there he stands in front of Pharaoh. And he is the answer. Listen to me. In one moment's time, he went from being a prisoner to a prince. In a mo you, You're missing what I'm saying. When you stand in front of Jesus, in a moment of time, you quit being a prisoner and you become a prince. In a moment of time. You can go from being an inmate to controlling the gross national product of an entire country. Think about that. The entire country, he controls everything at a moment's of time. Pharaoh gave him a ring of authority and then gave him a chariot to ride right behind his chariot. Amen. You're supposed to be riding a chariot behind the Lord's chariot. You're supposed to be wearing rings of authority. You're supposed to be entering into to greatness and not to smallness. You're supposed to be every day becoming an answer to another problem. Hallelujah. Somebody shout, make me an answer. Make me an answer. 
Now others are going to try to put you back in your false robes. False, let, let me say something. False does not necessarily mean bad. Okay? Potiphar's robe was not a bad robe. He had everything he could ever want. But it was limited. It was limited. He was stuck to a house. God wants you to wear a king's robe. God wants us to have influence not just in our church, but in our city, our region, our state, and our nation. Amen, to start with. Are you, can I get somebody to say amen in that section over there? I'm not sure you guys are safe. You need to repent. You can't, just teasing. You can't allow the world to put their robes on you. You can't allow that. Because if you do, you're going to get messed up. I remember when I first started coming to church. Some of my family will remember it too. I had long hair. I was what they called a hippie. I sat on the back row of church and I rolled joints and listened to the preacher. After church, boy, that was a great sermon. Back in those days, back in those days, many churches would not allow hippies to come in because they had long hair and because they had holes in their jeans that they put patches on. And that was an evil thing. And so hippies weren't allowed in the churches. Listen to me. I'm talking about the majority of churches would not allow hippies to come to church. You know what the hippies did? Think about it. They, they started to, after a period of time, they wanted to prove themselves. They're going to prove to the, the, the religious world, we can be as righteous as you. We can live for God for you. And that, my friend, is called self-righteousness. The devil tricked them into self-righteousness. And once you live in self how many of you know you can never live up to self-righteousness? You will never be holy enough in your own eyes. You're only holy because Jesus makes you holy, not because you live so perfect. If I knew your little minds, if we took your mind and put it on the screen today, you'd run out of here. There ain't nobody in this room that perfect, except maybe my Uncle Harold. He can't hear me, that's why I said it. Uh, spirit of condemnation. So, so when you can't live up, listen to me, when you can't live up to your own standards, when you've created a standard that you're going to prove to everybody else that you're somebody great, and you can't live up to this standard after a period of time, then you enter into another spirit called the spirit of condemnation. And you start walking in condemnation. And the hippies start leaving the church. They start going back into their sin. They start going back to love, sex, and rock and roll and all that stuff. And, and so, so, listen, condemnation cannot be a vocabulary of your soul. You can't go around thinking, what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not smart enough? What if I'm not prepared for what God wants me to do? If you start thinking like that, you're thinking like a slave again. I'm trying to help you. You have to shake that off. Here's what your Bible says. You ought to look it up and underline it. Romans 8.1. There, there is therefore now, now, now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. It doesn't start tomorrow. It doesn't start when you've done better. It starts be now when Jesus becomes your Lord. That's when it starts. Okay? So we are all of us in this room sinners saved by grace. Okay, we are made righteous, made right, made righteous because of Jesus, not because of what we did, not because we came to an altar and said a prayer that somebody helped us pray. Amen. 
It's because of Jesus. We rest and we operate out of a sense of worthiness and well-being because Christ has purchased us on his cross. Christ purchased us. We're working from a position of love, acceptance, and approval, and we don't have to try to prove it to nobody. We are loved, we are accepted, and we're approved by Jesus Christ. Everybody in this room. Okay? Jesus said it this way, it is finished. Can you say that with me? It is finished. This is what he said. Now, that does not mean, I know I'm getting a little deep right here, so, so, so pay attention. It doesn't mean that we don't work and serve and pursue excellence. Our grace that God has given us actually empowers us to fulfill our destiny. Grace, God's grace, is the ability to do what I could, in him, what I could not do for myself. It gives me the ability to, 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 to work without becoming self-righteous. It gives me the ability to serve without becoming condemned. It gives me the ability to perform better, to accomplish more, to serve faithfully. And I'm not doing it for your approval. I hope you like my preaching, and I hope you think I'm good looking as I really am. But that's not the issue. Amen. I'm working from love, not for love. Amen. He loves me, whether you do or not. You'll have to answer to him about your problem. Amen. I'm working from acceptance, not for acceptance. I'm working from approval, not for approval. I'm working from my identity, not for an identity. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I renounce the religion of shame. I renounce it. I, I, I want you to know, we have true love because our God loves us. We have un unconditional acceptance. That means when you blow it, God still loves you. The other day, I parked way in the back of a parking lot. Did I share this with you guys? I parked way in the back of a parking lot so that my big, long U-Haul and my trailer wouldn't get jammed in. And in the morning, I could leave early. So I got up at 3.30 in the morning to check out at 4 o'clock to get on the road to get here. At 4 o'clock in the morning, I've already given my key. I'm already checked out. I got all my luggage. I'm rolling out to my truck. And out there in the back, I'm talking two blocks away. I'm talking from here to the gas station at the corner. Okay? Somebody pulled in the parking slot right in front of me. There's 150 parking lots between here and there. He pulls right. I can't get in and out. I had to do this number for an hour and a half to get that truck out. That's when I knew I was saved, really saved. Because there was a day that car would have paid a price. I'd have taken that big old U-Haul and pushed that car right over the curb. I'd have keyed that car, flattened it. We'd have got that car. That brother would come out to a wreck. But Jesus has accepted me. He loves me. Amen. Amen. I have well-being within my soul. And I knew at that moment, this is peace that overcomes chaos. Because I had chaos going through my mind, but peace ruled. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm trying to help you. If we want to be free, if you want to be free, it will require a new way of thinking, a new way of believing. You're going to have to believe and think different. You've got to get rid of all the conditions that you've put on yourself. That you put on yourself. If only when I was younger, I would have done this. If only I, I could have their gifting. If only I could sing as good as, 
as somebody else. As only I could play an instrument. If only I could preach like that. If only, whatever. And all of these things, you're thinking somehow that it's going to help you be accepted. You're already accepted. You're weird. You're strange. You're unique. And you're loved. And you're powerful. And God's making you a key to unlock somebody's world. Amen. If you have enough unhealthy, unhealthy ifs running through your mind, if I'd have done this, if I was this, if I'd done, you need to, re- every time you hear an if in your brain, I want you to replace it with I am. Every time you hear an if, if I just didn't have these, these temptations, if I just did, every time you have an if come through your head, I want you to replace it with an I am statement. I am accepted, I am strong, I am healthy, I am protected, I am beautiful, I am confident, I'm an overcomer, I'm delivered, I'm saved. Every time you have an if, you change it to a I am. Everybody say that with me. Every time I have an if, I change it to an I am. Say it one more time. Every time I have an if, I change it to an I am. Every time. You start prophesying to yourself. Let me make a prophetic declaration to you right now. Either God has or God is about to put you in a situation where you're going to be completely out of your element. Completely out of your element. To do something you have never done before. You're so used to doing what you've always done that you've excelled pretty good at it and you've learned how to control that environment. So you think that it's your anointing that's doing it, and really it's just your self-control. You've learned to control an environment. God is going to take you out of that, and he's going to put you in a position you could not do without his grace. Okay? The enemy is going to try to get you to reject that position. You're going to reject it, and here's why you're going to try, you're going to, try to reject it, and here's why you'll do it, because of your own condition. Well, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. You're going to start these ifs on your own conditions. Do not surrender yourself to your own conditions. You cannot rise to the palace God has, to the role God has for you as kings and queens and sons and daughters. You cannot rise to that position as long as you're living like you're still in prison. Amen, somebody. God will put you in a situation that is too big for you. Amen. Because he has made you the answer. Oh, I should have got some, something out of that right there. Because he has made you an answer. You are the key to his kingdom. Are you listening to me? You are the key to his kingdom. God has shaped you, and you have never been inserted into this lock before. And if you will allow God to insert you into this without you putting conditions on it, without you saying I'm not qualified, without you talking yourself out of it, without you talking them out of it, well, maybe you ought to go talk with Pastor Ray. I think he's better suited for this. Well, I think you need to find a gift of healing evangelist because I've never healed anybody. As long as you talk them out of it and you talk yourself out of it over your conditions, you'll never unlock the door God has for you. Amen. This is a season where God's going to take this church and grow you up. Oh, I'm not being ugly. I'm trying to help you. Because he wants to open a whole new door to you. 
He wants to open a whole new thing to us. Something Flagstaff and none of the churches in Flagstaff have ever experienced. Never experienced. I'm not beating down nobody. I'm not being ugly to nobody. I'm not demeaning nobody. I'm just telling you God wants to do a lot more than any church in Flagstaff has ever done. And when you put yourself in the right place in Christ, we're in Christ. When we put ourselves in that Christ, and when you begin to know who you are, you will enter into authority. You will enter into something. It's called the king's authority. And you will start to operate in a whole new dimension. Amen. Amen. All of a sudden, God's going to call you to do things you've never done. I remember the first time I got called to preach at a conference. I about wet my pants. I was scared to death. I'd never preached to nobody over 60 people. I'd preached 60 people. It was a big crowd. Suddenly, I'm in front of like 600. Woo! Then I remember the first time they called me to preach at a church of 5,000. And I'm looking at this congregation. I'm thinking, am I qualified? And I said, devil, you're a liar. God put me here. I cheated to get through high school in Winslow High School. I cheated. I wasn't that I was dumb. It was that I was smart enough to cheat. They couldn't catch me. <laughs> I, amen. I know who I, where I've come from. I know where I've come from. But I also know who God's made me to be. And it's way, God right now is moving me to another dimension. And I'm going to start dragging some of you with me. Okay, you're, no, no, you're going to go with me. You don't know that yet, but you're going to be going with me to California and some other places. I'm going to put you into environments you've never experienced before because God is making you answers. God, amen. Some of you are the answer that's going to save your entire family lineage. He's been preparing you for 20 years. You've been frustrated because your family won't get saved, but God's getting done. He's working on the key. He's sharpening the last seconds of it now. And he's going to insert you again. You're going to say, God, I've tried that door before. Yeah, but you didn't try it with the right key. You weren't done yet. You missed a notch. You was a short one notch. This last year, 2020, God put a big old ugly notch in your head. <laughs> Amen. You went down. You went down. Your economy went down. Your spirit went down. Amen. And God says, now I'm going to lift you up. I'm going to stick you in a slot. You're going to say, well, I've been in that slot. It didn't work. Shut up. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't start putting conditions on nothing. Don't start. Amen. Are you listening to me, church? When I said that you're a bringer, that's who you are. You are a bringer. Well, I don't ever ask anybody. Start asking. Amen. Because God's going to unlock something in the spirit, and these people are going to come, and you're going to be a key to their life. The people that you bring to church, you're going to unlock things in their life for generations to come. Not just for the service, not just for them to get saved. You're going to unlock maybe their entire family. You don't know it yet, but God might have called you to unlock the Ramirez's lives, the Gomez's lives, the Smith's lives, the Jones's family. Amen. You have no idea what God is doing in your world. But I've been telling you, he's making you an answer. Can, you, can I hear an amen? Let me give you one more scripture and I'm done. Isaiah 49, 2. He made my mouth like a sharpened sword. In the shadow of his hand, he hid me. You've been hidden a long time. He made me into a polished arrow. You don't get polished without rubbing, without some, some oil, okay? You get polished, and he concealed me in his quiver. In other words, it's time now for God to fire you into this life. He's been working on you a long time. Are you listening to me, church? Are you hearing me today? He's making you the answer. 
He's not making me the answer. He's not making this church the answer. He's making you the answer. Amen. You are the answer. You are the church. How many of you believe you are the church? This building is, is nothing. We can, give up, we can give up the building. It'll be outside in the ice-cold winter, and God can still move. It's not about a building. It's not about a, a, a fabulous preacher, a wonderful, marvelous, incredible preacher. It's not about that. <laughs> you guys, you'll catch on in a minute. My humor's not that good, but you'll catch on. It's about you. You've been through some pretty bad ups and downs in your world. You've been through some divorces, some bankruptcies, some losses, some hurts, some deaths, some things that are unanswerable, some things that nobody has answers for, some things that you still have questions about. And what you don't understand is God has been working on you all along. God's been working on you. And he's right now ready to slide us in. I'm telling you, it's going to be a wild year next year. You better, you better understand. It, it, it's going to be a wild year. The United States is going to go through some wild stuff. The church is going to get pressured. You're going to be told you can't. You're going to be told we, we're going to be told no. And the answer is yes. God's yes, God, Jesus never said no. Not one time. He was only the God of yes. You hearing me? And God's going to give us a big yes right in the middle of the world's No. And it's going to upset them. And God's going to start moving. And he's going to bring people in here that you least expect. And God's going to do something great. We're going to go through some pretty tough stuff in the next few years. But after that, we're going to come into great peace. And in that great peace, the church is going to blossom like you've never seen before. And I don't even want to tell you what I think is next, but it's not going to be too fun after that again. We're going to have a season. But right now, he's making us. He's making us. Are you hearing me? So when God opens an opportunity to you, you slide yourself into it. Don't disqualify yourself. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't talk them out of it. You slide into it and see how God opened that door. And you'll find out it's going to click. Amen. I already feel a click in this church. I feel the click. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I don't know if you're catching on. I feel the click. And I feel God's getting ready to do something. I believe we're going to see some stuff that we've never seen before. You've only talked about. You've heard about. You've always wanted to see, and you've never seen them. One more time, I'm going to tell you. First apostles. Everybody say first. Second prophets. Second. Third teachers. The next word you circle is then. Then. Circle that word then. Then miracles, healings, and the other stuff. The reason we're not seeing the miracles and the healings is because we haven't got the first, second, third in order yet. We get that in order, and that's what God's doing right now. He's making you right now. He's making you right now because he's going to bring us to those other things. Are you all right? You love God? You ready for some tacos? Who's buying? <laughs> Amen. God's going to help us. God's going to help us. Now, I'm asking you, if you can, come out Wednesday nights. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to try to teach us how to become sons and daughters. I know you think you are, but I want to teach it to you because it's shocking. I just found out about five years ago I was the world's chief orphan. I've never pastored a church. I've only pastored orphanages. No, it's just true. It's really sad because people do not know what sonship is. They have no clue. Jesus, when he prayed, give me this day my daily bread, that was a command. Give it to me. He commanded it. 
He was a son. Sons operate totally different than orphans. And most of us come begging, oh, God, please forgive us. That's an orphan. I'm going to try to teach you how to become sons, okay? We'd probably do that on Sunday mornings for a while as well because I want the whole congregation to get that. Then I'm going to take you into this whole thing about Lucifer's nine gemstones and the 12 gemstones in the breastplate of the priest. And I'm going to walk you from Reuben, the first stone, which means vision, all the way down to the last stone, Benjamin, which means dominion. And we're going to take you on a trip of how you become the son that walks in dominion. Okay? We're going to learn. It's going to be deep. We're going to, it's going to take us a while because we're only going to go 45 minutes because after that, your little brain is fried anyway. It's like, bleh, bleh, bleh. we go home and we look at it for hours and say, what did he say? And then, that, then we come back. Okay? We're going to do it as long as it takes because we want to get that foundation. We want to get that apostle, that foundation. We need that. So we can move on. And then God's going to raise up prophets. That There's already some in the house. And there's some great teachers in this house. And we're going to see God do some awesome things. Amen. Bow your heads if you would. Father, we thank you so much that you love us enough that you won't leave us alone. That you've been working on us when we didn't even know you was working on us. You've been protecting us and preserving us and helping us when we had no idea that you were even present. So, Lord, we thank you for your love and your care. I thank you that you've made many people in this church, and you're continuing to make us keys to unlock legacies, heritages, families, lives, cities, nations. You're actually raising up people in this house that will unlock nations. So I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for that in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. Now, I, I just as a rule of thumb, while your heads are bowed, I'm going to always give an altar call because I want to create an atmosphere that God will, if you never give them, then why would God bring them? So if you're in this place and you're not right with God today, you know, I don't care if you've been to an altar 50 times. I'm not even talking about altars. I'm talking about there's a, there's a, there's a disconnect between you and the Father. And it's there. It's real. And you know it. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front today, but I'm going to pray with you. And you say, Pastor, that's me. I want you to lift your hand up and set it back down. Would there be anybody in here today? I see this hand. Actually, I see several hands going up around the building. This is why we have altar calls. This is why we have them. Amen? Amen. We're going to always have an altar call. It's important. They're very important. It's a chance for people that have heard a message to respond to what God has been speaking into their hearts and their lives. So while we're all here, can we say this as a church together? And those that raised your hands, I want you to know God hears you right now. He's listening. You are greatly loved. You are greatly accepted. In fact, right now, if you can imagine this, if you raised your hand, right now, God has called angels to attention. Your ministering angels that he has assigned to your life, one day I'll prove to you how many you have. You have thousands and thousands of angels assigned to your life. I'll show you in scripture that someday. You have tens of thousands of angels assigned to you. Right now, every one of them is standing up. And they're paying attention. They're listening. They're watching. Because they're going to go into ministry mode. Because God says he sets them forth as ministers into your life. So let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. From this day on, 
I'm going to live for you. I want to be a son. I want to walk in the authority of your son. I want to be a part of your great family. I want to serve in your kingdom. And from this day on, you are my father. And I love you as you love me. And I serve you and only you. Thank you for making me the answer. Thank you for making me the answer. Now I rebuke the devil. I rebuke everything about him. He will not control me. And when I hear his ifs, I will replace it with a great I am in Jesus' name. Now let's give the Lord a clap offering. Can we? Everybody give the Lord a praise for that. Give the Lord a praise for that. Give the Lord a praise for that. Amen, amen. Amen. You feel the Lord in here? Hallelujah. Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, right on the dot, we'll start. Let's sing a song of worship, just or whatever, a song of praise as we get ready to dismiss today. And I, hey, one more thing. You've heard me say it before, but I want you to do it if you really would. Oh, it's, it's COVID. I, I don't know if Jesus would be worried about it. But if you're worried about it, it's okay. If, you, if you're, I'm, I'm, I really, if you're worried about it, just do the elbow, something, or just stand back and go, whatever you got to do. But when we get ready to leave, would you, everybody within a 10-foot radius of you, would you just recognize them? Say hi, good to see you. And if you don't know their names, would you share your name to them so that they can learn your name? Amen? Because there's people in here that don't know one another. I could start asking, I bet you don't know. Right? If, if I start asking, what's that girl's name? You go, I, I think it's, no, no. Find out before you leave today. Amen? We're a family. You really ought to know your brother's name. <laughs> it's, it's kind of important, especially at the dinner table. Amen. <laughs> Come on, let's stand together. Come on, let's stand together. Let's stand together. Sing a song and we'll be dismissed right after this song. Love you guys. God bless you so much.